0: Hey, I'm Murph. I'm a former heroin addict, current alcoholic, and you're tuned in to Self-Medicated Weekly Dose, a podcast that's all about drugs and the people who use them. As always, this program is inspired by the harm reduction movement, informed by my personal experience using all sorts of drugs for damn near 30 years, and enlightened by my special guests. And today, I got a dynamite guest coming in to join me. She's the Drug Users Health Services Program Supervisor at Outside Inn, right here in Portland, Oregon. She's a passionate harm reduction advocate who's out there doing the work that we all appreciate so much. Please welcome to the program, Haven Wheelock. Yes, yes, the Haven fans are in the house today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Of
1: course. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. um, Well, we got a lot packed in. There's a lot going on in the world, uh, in the world of of, uh, drugs and and drug users, Uh, policy, uh, you know, there's just a lot uh, to get to. But before we dive right in, I just want to give a little context for the guests. The first time we had met, Haven, was you did, uh, I was doing a live stream for Self-Medicated a few years ago, and uh, you would join me on that. And the the timing of that was it was right before the vote here in, in the state of Oregon for Measure 110. Measure 110 was, of course, a ballot measure in the state of Oregon that basically decriminalized the possession of all drugs. Uh, You know, small amounts for personal use, uh, completely decriminalized, and it was passed into law. Uh, This was a, a measure that you were very much behind and had a hell of a lot to do with it getting passed into law. So this clip was pulled from a live stream that we did right before the vote. So like late October 2020, uh, you know, we look very young in this clip. So I'll speak for myself. I don't want to talk shit about you, but I just mean I look much <laughs> younger. I saw this clip and I was like, my God, have I aged? Uh, but, you know, life will do that to you. Uh, but here's a little clip from that live stream uh, where we made a deal with one another uh, where you were working on Measure 110. And in Pennsylvania, they had been attempting Philly Safehouse to open the first uh, injection site in the country. Uh, and they were met some blowback. But uh, this was the deal we made with each other. So uh, listeners, will hear this.
1: We'll make Pennsylvania next. You guys get <laughs> oh, the safe yes. consumption space started. I decriminalize <laughs> and then we'll
0: switch. Oh, yeah. Yes. I love that. All right. Well, <laughs> one of us held up our end of the bar. <laughs> uh, we're trying. Yeah. You, in fact, got it done. So Measure 110 was passed, which is very exciting. Uh, the uh, uh, the Philly Safe House is involved in, in somewhat of a, you know, a legal battle with the Department of Justice so this is a federal issue that they had stepped in and said, you know, we can't open this. Uh, th- this is a, somehow, you know, violates the uh, Substance Abuse Act, whatever. Uh,
1: crack house laws.
0: The crack house laws. Sure. Uh, thank you, Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we had we had the one, two of like Trump using the old Biden laws to try and still. And now Biden's back in. It's like, will you right the wrongs? You Scranton Joe, for the love of God, please. Mm-hmm. Finally, we'll see. Um, I'm not holding my breath, but we'll see. Uh, they keep kicking it down the road. There's another uh, they were supposed to have a deadline this week, I think, wasn't it on, on the, uh, the. Yeah. But, uh, of course, as uh, New York not to be outdone ever by Pennsylvania, uh, New York, of course, overshadows and opens two uh, I- injection sites in, in New York City. I think there's one in, in Harlem and there might be another one in Washington Heights or something. There's, there's a couple of them in the city there. Uh, so they're just saying, fuck it. Um, so that's exciting to see. They're
1: uh, very brave.
0: They are. They are. And you need you need people to kind of step up and just say, we're not going to listen to this. But I think at the same time, uh, if there is a ruling made in some way, that will help everyone. If, if there is finally a oh, definitive ruling to say you can. You can oh, for
1: that. sure. I think yeah. like this court case hanging over all of us has made it much harder for folks to know what to do and how to plan for it.
0: Yeah. And I feel like uh just, you know, just as a quick aside, they're, they're talking about like, you know, 800 and some or however, I don't know the exact number of how many overdoses have been prevented also in New York City from just from this, this, these two sites being open and operating Yeah.
1: I think when I was talking to the folks out there, it's like they've been open for just over like they're one year anniversary was in the last two weeks and it's like almost 700 overdose reversals oh. on site. Only yeah. nine people needed to be transported to hospital from those of all of those. Amazing. Um, it's amazing. Like when you are intervening on an overdose early and catch it early, it's very different to respond to than what we're doing now. So like the ability to just like give oxygen support as opposed to Narcan, which if you have an opioid habit <laughs> you prefer oxygen to sure. north <laughs> sure sure <laughs> For yeah many absolutely. many reasons so uh-huh, uh-huh. um it's just a, it's amazing to get to talk to their teams and see the work that they're doing in New York i'm so proud of them and
0: yeah, as, as anyone who's been brought back from Narcan knows, it's it's a little bit of a you know your your instant withdrawal situation. So it's a hell of a mm. it's a hell of a shock to the system. Um, that is interesting. The oxygen, I didn't I didn't even know that. That's
1: better so these than are the, dead.
0: But the, yeah, sure. And these are the of course uh, these are the kind of sensible things that you start to figure out where you're just like it's funny that you need a real world application to point you. You need some sort of data set that'll still be like poo pooed by the people who are really hardcore against it. But it's funny that you need that where you're like well no shit like you're like oh these places opened up and they. Save some lives like yeah 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 that makes that makes pretty much all the sense in the world I didn't need to actually see that uh, to be operational to to assume that
1: like and to throw out there that like we have 30 years of fucking data on this stuff Uh right uh like it's not like like yes these are new in the United States but it's we've got plenty of data that shows that this is what happens when you open these things but because of American exceptionalism
2: aha yes
1: we're only now paying attention now that's that new right new york yeah. is doing it
0: and we'll take we'll take credit for it too if it, when it does finally go wide we'll be like oh, oh and america was the was the founders of these sites and which whatever you know if that's what we're gonna do fine let's just get them out there right um all right well let's uh, let's dive right in our first segment here is the substance report this is the question do junkies lives matter What we do here, Haven, is, you know, the the mainstream media's narrative on substance use has always been trash. We know that. Uh, And so what I like to do here, uh, uh, the weekly dose, is I like to take some of the top drug related stories in the news and give them some proper coverage, uh, a little bit of more context and a little bit more nuance than you get from uh, from from general uh, media outlets. Um, So uh, uh, the first uh, thing here, I would like, well, we are kind of already talked about this a little bit. This is we'll just dive. This is just from the Philly Inquirer. This is just uh, following up on uh, it says after another delay in a decision on supervised injection sites, Shapiro says he still opposes them. So this is another thing that's difficult because this this uh, fellow here, uh, Josh Shapiro, was just running for governor. Uh, he was the uh, the AG in Pennsylvania. Uh, he made kind of his claim to fame by, by doing a bunch of busts on the opioid. Uh, the, the, the manufacturers, the pharmaceutical companies, got a lot of money coming into uh, Pennsylvania. But unfortunately, he's saying that he can't use not only can you not use any of that money. Uh, to, to, to fund some of these sites and other harm reduction um, uh, interventions, uh, which I think Rhode Island, there's, there's a state that's like really also being like, fuck it, we're doing it. We're using the money from the opioid settlement to to fund, you know, injection sites and whatever as people are open. And so this is unfortunate because Shapiro was running against uh, a Christian nationalist. So it was a tough in that race? You're, you're always with the lesser of two evils. So this is what we're left with. Um, Mastriano, I believe his name, he was he was a loon. Uh, so at least we still got, uh, you know, don't have him in the driver's seat, but Shapiro has got to come around on this. Uh, because I feel like, you know, again, the, the evidence is there and it's like, I don't know what the pushback is, but this is where we're at. So, uh, thanks to Philly safe house folks still fighting that. Uh, there's a lot of NIMBY uh, stuff. And I wanted to ask you Haven, what do you feel like, is it bureaucratic or is it like, like what, what is the first push? Because it feels like they had this, you know, they opened this kind of Philly Safe House had a soft opening before there was a lot of pushback from the community. And I know there was some grumblings about, well, they could have handled talking to the community first better. So there might not have been as much of a pushback. I don't know if that's true. You know, I lived in South Philly. I mean, look, man, there was like, you know, there's a lot of when a Rite Aid opens, you know, there's a lot of opinions where there's an opinionated <laughs> group down there. So uh,
1: I was just in Philly last week, actually, um, for a conference and you got to see Shapiro speak. Yeah, he's very proud of how many people he puts in prison. He is. Um, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. very, very proud. Even to speaking at a public health conference where the audience is going to be health focused. He was still kind of bragging about all the yep. people he put in prison. I There might have been someone booing in the back <laughs> of the room. I don't, I don't, I. whoever it was had a mask who was, on, yeah, I couldn't who, tell.
0: <laughs> who could say? I couldn't uh, tell. <laughs> um, i've never heard you boo so it was early wasn't you um <laughs> no no i don't do
1: that i'm very polite um yeah what if
0: f- know your know your audience you know what i mean like it feels yeah. like that's the out of touch thing where it's like hey, listen man these are people yeah public health uh, folks are all about uh, healing and, and helping not and prison does not do that we know that so that's no, it's funny that that's no. what he kind of ran on um
1: yeah i mean it's not though right when you think about like his lens. Right. Like when all you have is hammers, everything's a nail or whatever the hell that That's right. like, That's right. thing is. Right. Like and if his lens and his framework and his scope is like punishment helps, he's been indoctrinated into thinking that like safety means incarceration. And so it, it doesn't surprise me to hear someone with that lens speak that way.
0: Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. And, and who would be the, you know, AG, like you're not going b- to be the attorney general if you're if you don't mm-hmm. believe in that. Yeah. Wielding that, 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 that paddle, you know, like a big daddy trying to spank everybody who's naughty and keep them safe by grounding them and putting them. Uh, and we can make, mm-hmm. make fun of that. But in reality, the, as we know, the prison industrial complex, that whole fuck once you're in that, that's no joke. Once that's you, no grounding you know. at home from daddy. That's fucking ruining people's lives and tearing families apart. So, yep. yeah, I mean, and again, costs a it's, lot of fucking money. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And Pennsylvania is a tricky, you know, it's a, it's, it's a state that, like, I feel it's it's pulled in a lot of different directions. But like I said, even in, in South Philly there, there was a lot of NIMBY pushback on this stuff. But I do feel like it's going to take it's certainly like we got to get past this idea where you're like they funded uh, Mastriano. They propped Mastriano up as the candidate to run against Shapiro as, for governor. So because they were like, this guy's so wacky, we'll, 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 you know, we got it in the bag, which he got a hell of a lot more votes than I think people were comfortable with. And at the same time, that just positions them to not have to really move in any progressive direction towards this shit because they're like, well, you want to give me a bag of shit, you better, you know, you better not because then look look who's waiting in the wing. So it's this, uh, it's this, t- you know, this this two-party uh, nonsense that keeps us, you know, just begging and thanking people for, for not, you know, being as, you know, a full-on Christian nationalist. I'm like, well, if that's the, the standard that's been set, then Jesus.
1: I mean— We talk about two-party systems, but then our third-party candidate here in
0: Oregon for governor
1: didn't do us any favors either. (laughs) No, she did not.
0: What a a strange, yeah, what a three-way tango that was for governor out here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's, let's, you know what, let's actually just get into that because what we have here in our other, uh, the more, you know, partially uh, at least uplifting story, actually very uplifting that you did in fact get 110 passed. But we'll look at this article here. Uh, so this was now two years ago that, that one ten, and this kind of right on the heels of what you're saying with the governors because they had a lot of opinions on one ten uh, in its infancy here. But uh, this bit here is uh, uh, comes from a local uh, ABC affiliate. It says uh, local law enforcement blames measure one ten for the rise in fentanyl and synthetic opioid overdoses in Oregon. So what's funny about this is uh, just says uh, you know sheriff Dave Daniel, they spoke to this county sheriff, uh, says measure one ten has affected the community since it's passing he's seen uh, so he's just basically being like yeah fentanyl overdoses are happening a lot of there's a lot of drug use blah about blah, which what's well, of course immediately you can immediately dismiss this as logically at least we can dismiss this and then we'll get on to what really matters to people it's just not the logic it's certainly the the emotional uh weight of this but like let's just talk about the logic really quickly here is that in pa where we just talked about we love our drug delivery resulting in death charges we love we got some old shit on the books that we throw around that that is terrible and yet what the hell fentanyl is ever people are still you know overdosing people are still using drugs so it's funny to just pull this up as like the reason is because of 110 not like well that's just true all over the country uh it's true that the, the you know the, these overdoses and fentanyl so it really whether you can take draconian measures and old school you know iron fist stuff to deal with this or you can 110 it's just funny that local law enforcement's trying to blame this which i think is also what some of your gubernatorial candidates were floating as well
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's just like blatantly not true, Um, right? Which is like, like if it was, I mean, we are seeing us like increase in overdose death in Oregon right now. Um, We are fentanyl. I mean, I've been working with people who are using heroin and methamphetamines for decades now here. And I will say, Murph, I've never seen our drug supply change as quickly in my entire career. I've never seen like the way people are doing drugs, like th- like people are switching from shooting heroin to smoking fentanyl, right? Like our number of like exchange clients bringing us like our syringe injector clients has decreased significantly because people are turning to smoking and this increase in fentanyl, of course, we're going to see an increase in fentanyl related deaths yeah. at the same yeah. time. And when you compare what's happening here to what's happening in, say, Seattle or San Francisco, it's the same. Neither of those places decriminalize drugs,
2: nope, nope.
1: but they are seeing the same rates of increases because our drug supply has changed so quickly. Um,
0: yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's a false uh, equivalent. Like you, you can't say one with the other because exactly like you just said, you're seeing the same thing. It's, it's a it's a poison drug supply. Exactly. That's like the main mm-hmm. The main thing being like and standing in the way of that as well, like even, you know, even here, at least Measure 110 is available, but not having the resources, which I think, again, was a big problem with at least with 110, which surprise, surprise, the bureaucracy took forever to get the funding, which was the other big part of this. That's like, yes, of course, you know, decriminalize immediately everywhere, like obviously. But to then say that you're if you're trying to address some of the public health issues, you need then the, the resources to back that up. Otherwise, you know, you, people won't be in you know in, in jail or be getting arrested, which is uh, of course huge. But you're not going to really make any sort of other impact outside of if you don't have the resources, which go well beyond just like fentanyl testing strips. You know, Narcan available, injection sites, housing, employment, like all the other things that, that you get into the core causes of all this are essential, obviously, in the long run. Uh, but in the short run, that's why I think Measure One Ten was amazing because you're like, we got to start with what we can immediately. You know, put an end to which is that which is the 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 everyone getting wrapped up in the criminal justice uh, situation for this. And but, yeah. that
1: money's coming, right? Like that yeah, money yeah, is yeah. just rolling out. And you know, when you think about how much money is coming into our system because of measure, I mean, three hundred million dollars worth of cannabis revenue, ongoing investment yeah. in this system is just now starting to roll out. Like. Yeah.
0: And that was the brilliance of one ten. I feel like that that being tied to that, that was the whole idea from the beginning, right what was that yeah. oh th- totally. this would pass with the cannabis since there's yeah, the dispensaries are out there, they're selling weed in the state. That's a huge source yeah. of revenue, so yeah, tying that to that was it was is is exactly what needs to be done
1: I mean, it's one of the only as far as I can tell, it's one of the only sustainable funding for harm reduction services in the country right now, like yeah. it is dedicated like funding an investment in these kinds of, and the like the long-term services too, which is pretty dope. Yeah. If I do say so myself, I'm very yeah. excited. And it's like, I'm really like seeing some of the organizations that are getting funded with this stuff, like organizations that like have historically just been excluded left and right. Right. Like black yeah. and Brown culturally like centered organizations getting like for once getting what they need to like really do some, cool ass work
0: yeah that's like exciting. it's
1: gonna be bananas to see what happens over the next couple of years
0: yeah yeah it really is and I think that holding the line on that is important because I saw some mm-hmm. some uh you know I just being here I just moved to since we last spoke uh, when I was living in P- PA I lived I moved out to Portland so I'm here in Oregon my wife is originally from here so we're, we, we've been here for almost uh t- almost two years now uh welcome thank you thank you but yeah seeing like seeing the 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 like talking to people kind of it feels like there there is there was a sense with that delayed funding of people kind of being like, well, I voted for 110. Yes, I've, I want you know, I want. But I'm like I'm now I'm kind of being like, well, it doesn't seem like anything's getting better. Or I'm, I'm worried that, you know, with with whatever sort of crime, which, again, is always, you know, great, well spun by the media on like crime stats and how that works, has always been easily manipulated uh, to, to, to fear monger. But like regardless of that, it's some people saying in my neighborhood, I see people that I think would want to be helped. But it seems like why are they still not getting the help or whatever? So trying to be like, hey, just hold in, hang in there. Money takes, you know, f- for it to, f- to go through hands, everybody's gotta you know have their 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 uh, their hand in the, in the cookie jar there on that when the bureaucrats are concerned, but however that works it's like a huge amount of funding is coming and is available for people like you said in programs that normally were not fun, well funded and in communities that are not that are generally uh you know left out in the cold on this kind of stuff so I feel like that's very exciting to see and and I think public opinion from the polls I saw are pretty much what it was before one ten was passed mm-hmm. so people are aren't you know being duped by the the the, the quick you know knee jerk from some of the gubernatorial candidates in the media of just being like, well, it didn't work. See, we tried it and it's, it's fucked up. It's all worse. And you're like, well, first of all, two years into anything, it's like, just pump the brake, Just relax, relax for a minute and, and let it play out.
1: There was also this like respiratory pandemic that happened that. <laughs> How about that?
0: Yeah. Right. At the time. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, know, that it took might, us, have it might have something.
1: taken us a hundred years for this shit storm to get this bad. Like yeah. thinking it's going to miraculously be fixed <laughs> in two years when there's, you know, a respiratory pandemic and like, right you know, that cause increases in how house, like houselessness increases in like everyone's nerves being shot.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's so funny. Yeah, that is funny. To, 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 that factors in for sure. But they don't mention that. Uh, no, yeah, there's this whole they other. They really don't. That's weighing on a lot of the public health uh, uh, systems and, you know, on, on their resources. I think another funny thing is you're also just I mean, you said this, but it's like, fi- you know, 50 years and like, you know, trillions of dollars uh, or over a trillion dollars on this drug war that didn't work. So it's funny, too. You get like, you know, five minutes here with one ten. It's like, well, it doesn't work. It doesn't, and You're like, well, how about a trillion dollars in 50 years? And we'll see if it works. And then we'll we'll we'll, we'll look at the two and be like, which one worked better? Um, but yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, uh, all right. That sounds like a like a, like a reasonable proposition um yeah so so hopefully uh, and congrats again i mean it's like it really is a, a monumental thing i know uh, as a drug user and a lot of uh drug users i was in touch with it was kind of like uh, people who weren't maybe as dialed into knowing that this was even on the ballot but as soon as they heard about it everyone's like holy fuck you hear about like oregon they decriminalized and they're like yeah but like, no everything i'm like no i know i know it's amazing uh so everyone's we very do. very hey. excited uh and hopefully it just rolls across uh, the country and slowly gets uh you know everywhere the idea of it um Before, you know, kind of the the, the media uh, shits on it enough that people are like, well, it's not working. But I think people are wise to that, it seems like. People are ready for – and we will start to see some – with the funding there, we will start to see some really exciting advances.
1: Yeah, I mean I think – like I'm nervous at this point, like nationally, that the appetite for – like I I feel like as a country we're like swinging back a bit more towards like law and order rhetoric around shit, which – makes me nervous mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: i think we're like baltimore is a great example of a place that like de facto decriminalized um be, due to the respiratory pandemic and like the right. data on what happened there is like just starting to come out we've got major re- like research projects happening around oregon's decrim as well so like we are actually like evaluating whether it worked or not
0: um yeah. That's exciting. I, so there'll I be would be yeah.
1: less people in jail is working. Huh? But, imagine that. You know, people yeah. like data.
0: People like data. They do. They 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 they, they do love it. And, and in in in, uh, you know, in the absence of it, they'll just make up their own. So we do got to kind of get some good some good data out the door on this will be will uh, be exciting for for the rest of the country to kind of go off of. Um well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's slide over. Uh, um, we, we, we have another segment here. We go from Measure 110. I'd like to talk a little bit now about uh, Measure 109. Uh, and this mm. is uh, in, a, in a segment uh, that I call Fog of Drug War.
2: War. It's fantastic.
0: So as I mentioned before, the, uh, the, the, the drug war here in America, you know, in its modern form is, uh, you know, we're going on 50 years, over a trillion dollars spent. With that kind of, uh, you know, war rhetoric and campaign, there's been a lot of strange as in any war. There's a lot of things that come up, uh, moments of confusion and of of just like, what the hell are we doing here? What's going on? Uh, And there's been no shortage of that throughout the course of uh, the war on drugs. So I like to highlight some of those moments, uh, some of the more, you know, just interesting, uh, silly, bizarre, a lot of different falls into a lot of different categories here. But this one in particular, since I had you on, I'd love to, to talk about because this. This was uh, just a little, it was wild to see, and I'm sure you've heard about this. Um, but we'll, uh, I'll just play this little clip here. This, uh, for, this is from the, the uh, local news here, just explaining to the listeners what, uh, what took place over the last week here in, in Portland.
1: Portland police raided Shroom House on Northwest Burnside around 1 o'clock this morning. They seized more than 13,000 bucks in cash and then more than 22 pounds of psilocybin products. Officers also arrested four people. Police released a photo of the drugs they confiscated, including four bags of dried psilocybin mushrooms. Over the past week or so, the controversial storefront has attracted all kinds of attention and long lines of customers trying to get inside. Shroom House didn't seem to hide the fact that it was illegally selling psychedelic mushrooms either. Oregon's legal psilocybin program, created under measure 109, allows people 21 and over, they will be able to take a substance in a regulated clinical setting when it takes effect next year. But the retail sale of psilocybin is not allowed.
0: All right, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. so this oh. is yeah this is a very it was a very funny um, you know because I, I was uh, I stumbled across this I don't know if it was Reddit I, I don't remember someone sent me a thing that was kind of being like yo what's the, you know you you can go down to Shroom House and buy some shrooms uh, and I kind of saw this it would just hit up the Reddit uh, thread there on it and it was it was a lot of kind of all over the place but then I was like oh no it does sound like there's lines around and then they you know of course uh, the news gets there they do a couple little pieces on it which is poking the bear of this idea of like well are the cops i mean is anyone going to do anything about this you know we, we did an investigative you know deep dive i'm like great you walk down to the fucking place and you, you took some you know photos of people and, and video uh but basically what the hell <laughs> what is the uh because it seemed like they weren't going to do anything for a while and then they're like well with 110 plus the other weird thing about this is they were asking for two forms of id to buy shrooms which was, was an interesting where i was like this seems like maybe not the move but uh you know with 110 in place i doubt they'll Go after anyone, but you know who knows what with this portland police they uh, they're they're, all, they're they're a hell of a of a of a, a criminal operation they're running there, so I don't know what they're going to do with any names that they have of people, but essentially with the people who ran it were the ones who were arrested to start, so what the hell happened here in, in your, you, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I think somebody was trying to make a quick buck right, right like right. they knew they crunched the numbers, the- Yeah. Yeah, they like from the jump they knew that was not legal, right? Um yeah. it's not legal under one oh nine, it's not legal under one ten. Yep. Um I think actually it had the potential to really harm both initiatives.
2: Sure, sure. Um
1: if they let it stand. Yes. Um in general. So
0: public opinion well, of that for sure. S- yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I did see it as something So many people sent me so many. I I saw that story from many, 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 many folks. Yeah, I think they were just trying to make a quick buck. The funny part of this story, though, in my opinion, is like the original Oregonian article talking about how the cops were like, it's on OHA. And OHA was like, yeah, no, that is not what we do (laughs) because the Oregon Health Authority does not. And so like that, like... Finger pointing stuff of who's gonna do something like everyone knows it's not what it's not legal, but who's gonna move on it? <laughs> to me, it was f- really freaking funny. That is because like funny. everyone, like it's like clearly it is not legal.
0: No, that's clear. And- yeah, the reach, yeah, selling o- openly sell- without any sort of like. I mean, even from a can, even cannabis, even if you opened a we- mm-hmm. I- in that pop up fashion, that's still not you know that like there's there's still other ways you got to kind of go through to get things you know a dispensary up and running that they didn't even I mean know. and
1: they want you to pay your taxes
0: Right right yes that's yeah <laughs> That's <laughs> like, what's funny one, of, that's what's one
1: funny. of their things they're getting charged with is tax evasion right, right like right. you I'll can't always, just yeah. open a business and not pay a tax no, and
0: that's the one they'll get them on hard that's the one they always get you yeah, know yeah the irs will never uh, they'll always hit you with the taxes for sure it's so funny you write right the finger pointing is basically just like well then you almost want to be like if you're if you're uh you know oregon health you want to just pack, like, well hey why don't you here's the deal. why don't you just give us all your funding to the police why don't you just step aside uh, on all matters and we'll just take care of it because if you're going to finger point like this is on you then it'd be like well give us your resources give us your funding Well, you you know, you guys can go, you know, go go uh, go on the couch and stay at home, uh, and and we'll take care of pretty much of of most uh, issues in this. But yeah, that's funny that they're pointing the finger of like this is on you. Like, what the hell? You what are we supposed to do about this?
1: Yeah, like what? Like yes, they are working on like figuring out how to legally license these things as medicine. Yes, yes, right. Which I don't actually like. Love in general. No, of course not. I get the like medical versus recreational. Thing that we tend to do when we talk about drugs is how we rolled with cannabis and all of yep, that. Yep. But like, all that does is set up a system where people who have money get to have access to these medicines because Medicaid insurance ain't paying for nope, it.
0: No, nope, no, nope, um, nope. that's right. That, it, and, it sets up, a, yeah, another another go, uh, another hoop to jump through that that has a cost attached to it. So yeah, that I yeah, I, I felt the same another, way. And another like
1: system where like people with money and privilege get to have access.
0: Yep, yep. Like if you got to go and to a doctor, that's yeah, that's a that's a that's a privilege. Yeah. Yep. Sadly. Um yeah. Shouldn't be,
1: but all no, capitalism and the yep, US like we, medical system.
0: That's where it is. Profit's over people. Yeah, if you're selling if you, if if you have a barrier up for uh for med- medicine and and healthcare then yeah, that's that's going to extend to everything, especially uh any sort of substance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt the same way about the psilocybin thing. It's like I guess 109 there'll be licensed and you'll have to say, but that's always been like, that's the, that's what, what sets up like the weird dichotomy between with like the opioids was always like, well, what about the people who, uh, and, and then there's no solidarity between let's say, uh, um, uh, uh patients, uh, who have chronic pain patients and like people who are taking opioids for whatever fucking reason. Again, it's like you're legitimized. There's legitimate pain and then there's not legitimate pain. And if it's like, well, if you have from a doctor and it's something physical on the back, then like maybe, but if it's, emotional pain if it's any sort of like then you're like no you can't take any of these drugs these are for whatever so it sets up a whole like you know shitty dichotomy between people who use these drugs to begin with um and so i think the same with psilocybin is just like what in the world are you going to go to a doctor that they're going to tell you to be like this is the kind of thing because of course it works for some of those ptsd and depression and anxiety and like oh, all the these drugs ketamine we're really seeing good yeah yeah for sure no there's no no doubt that it works for that but then again like you said but then recreation then it becomes no 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 that's if you're just taking a trip to enjoy
1: people we can't have people having pleasure right we are a puritanical society yes where pleasure especially some people's pleasure right yes
0: yes the pleasure of some is is forbidden
1: is right and so like what, like where do we get into all of this i i am thankful they in setting up 109 they're being a lot broader with who can like trip sit for these things than I oh, thought good. they were.
0: I was fortunate enough, maybe not with some of the acid, but when I first got more into like mushrooms, uh, I, I had someone selling me mushrooms. who was big on set and setting and kind of, you know, an old uh, uh, deadhead who, you know, traveled with the dead for a long time and was like, you know, just uh, settled in and was like, Hey, I'm selling mushrooms here and this is what I do. And I'm going really to to this, to people who buy from me, this is set and setting. This is a thing. So that's helpful. I think so. You talk about people like, I think it is good to know what it is you're getting even when it comes to that. How, how potent are these? What strain is... Like, little things like that I think go a long way which will come with the, you know, some regulation or at least uh, some oversight over it rather than just like with any other drug. Buying when you don't know what the hell it is you're, you're, you're buying is not going to stop us from buying but it's not you know it's not hel- it's not helpful
1: i mean there's a reason we label food products right so you know what's in sure them.
0: <laughs> sure right? yeah like yeah if i'm gonna eat a pickle i want to know i'm eating a pickle and not a hot dog I don't
1: know. <laughs> if you confuse a pickle and a hot dog how I'm <laughs> yes
0: yes <laughs> That's you had other issues, I think, other than your <laughs> dietary. Yeah, no, I don't know how I'm confusing pickles and hot dogs, but uh, they're both the same shape. <laughs> well, that's uh, one ten and one oh nine, uh, and I just want to thank you again, Haven, so much for for your work on one ten. It's fucking awesome. It's, we're very excited to see how that probably goes the coolest thing I
1: will have ever worked on in my entire life. Like, it's like the <laughs> hang my hat on the thing.
0: It's a big yeah, one.
1: No, if I if I do something yeah. cooler watch out world because i can't think of what it might be right now
0: <laughs> hell yeah um well let's dive into something a little uh, a little funkier here this segment uh you know i think of uh, uh, you know i was a child of the 80s um and i and i feel like back then was kind of the the heyday for uh for for uh, anti-drug psa's um and when i think of the 80s i don't just think of uh, public service announcements i also think of psa's being uh, propaganda stigma and alf
2: losers are users so don't use drugs use drugs.
0: Ah! This one actually technically isn't from the 80s. It's from the 70s. A little older. But I found this thing, and it's pretty remarkable to me. I can't believe there's, a, there's something called a, a, a heroin hotline that was established back in the 70s. So this is a little PSA that was going around nationally uh, during the, the uh, Nixon administration. So let's, uh, let's just take a look at this real quick. This also has the grittiness of like a uh, Martin Scorsese, Sidney Lumet, New York. Like the, the feeling of this is very, uh, very cinematic. So it's, a, it's an exciting watch.
2: Heroin. It's the reason you put bars on your windows. The reason you've got a big dog. Heroin. Heroin, why nobody feels safe. Heroin, get the pusher off your block, out of your life. If you know a license plate number, a street corner, a description, anything specific, call the National Heroin Hotline, 800-368-5363. It's a free call from anywhere in the country, and you don't have to give any information about yourself. Only him. Fix the pusher. Call Heroin Hotline in Washington, D.C., 800-368-5363. It's run by the federal government. (laughs) <laughs> it's run no. by the
1: federal government
0: <laughs> yeah
2: yes as that it, gives
1: me a lot of confidence that's right who was in Who's, office
0: right i'm glad i'm glad yes no this is during yeah the nixon administration i love yeah it's run by the federal government it's great because at least for me at the end if i'm half listening to that in the other room assuming i'm alive in the 70s and i'm if i was i'd likely be using heroin in my younger years as i was here in, in the present day uh, or in my present uh, time span of, of life uh but uh, yeah, I feel like I would hear that in the other room like, oh, heroin hotline. I might just pick up the 800 number and be like, let me just grab some heroin on delivery. And And they go, no, no. Oh, it's run by the federal government. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. Uh, otherwise, I would have just called it uh, looking for dope. Um, so this fucking so this thing here, this was a real thing, uh, believe it or not, an 800 number nationally that people were told to call. So there was a uh, Agency of Fear is a great book uh, by Edward J. Epstein. But in, in there, he talks about this, uh, the audit that was run after the first three months of calls received over this hotline. So there were thirty three thousand three hundred and thirteen calls that came into this eight hundred number in the first three months. And they were evaluated by narcotics agents. Twenty eight over twenty eight thousand of them were deemed useless, either obscene calls, pranks or simply heavy breathing over the phone. So some pervs, you got pervs calling the heroin outline. You got to love that Uh, pranking the hell out of most of the remaining five thousand two hundred thirty four whatever were appraised as sincere, but of no immediate use. We're like, yeah, no shit. Uh, That seems like like a, a, a ludicrous thing um yeah. yes so that was a, a publicity stunt obviously Ehrlichman and and some of the people in the Nixon campaign there they loved the war on drugs so this is one of those things where they're pointing to to be like hey you know Nixon's tough on drugs he's got a phone number he's got a goddamn hotline that you can call if you see something going on which is like I feel like I would have had some fun prank calls on that 800
1: number I mean I, mean, I would have definitely made some calls to said hotline just to, I mean like, Jesus yeah ask a whole bunch of like ridiculous questions for a ridiculous amount of time. But, I mean, truth be told, like, that kind of messaging, like, turning – I mean, that's – the D.A.R.E. campaign was all about
0: convincing
1: kids to rat on their folks and their – That's right. Like, that was a huge – That was. I mean, I don't feel like the DEA does as much of that anymore, but, like, they still put out, like, all kinds of weird messaging that's, like – we're not trying to, like, get the person who's addicted to drugs. We're just trying to get the people selling
0: them.
2: Yeah, yep. Um, but,
0: they're like, but, you know, the people who are addicted might be able to help us get the person. Who's, so, so if there is someone you know who's addicted, yeah, that's the idea there. It's like anyone yeah. who's around drugs or, you know, in possession of drugs could be helpful to call local law enforcement or local. Yeah, D- yeah the DEA still. Yeah, the messaging from them, they're, they're a little savvier in terms of, you're right, they they, they don't do the as ham-fisted as, as these as they were in the 70s and 80s, but like it still is the same kind of bullshit. They're the ones who started the, the, the narrative for local cops overdosing by being in the, in the room with the ghost of fentanyl, even just like-
1: I promise, I hold fentanyl in my hands on the regular, and yes. I don't even get high.
0: There you go, like- did you hear that? <laughs> yes. Not even high, let like, alone.
1: I don't even get high. No, that's not how it works. Don't worry, I'm gonna overdose. Cause that's not <laughs> that how drugs how work.
0: No, no. I tell everybody like, look, if, you got a bottle if, you got a bottle of Jack Daniels at home, pour it on your feet. Do you get drunk? No. Well, that's because that's not how fucking booze works. That's not how that, that right. chemical, that compound works.
1: I mean, yeah. If if you could get high just by touching drugs, I wouldn't keep,
0: no one would shoot drugs. No. Why would you go through the yeah, just touch. I mean, the way they're yeah. the way they got people spooked on this, it's like you just need to be in the same room as it. You oh, know, and I it's know. Just, just in the in the air. I'm like, geez, if it was that easy to get high, we'd all just be sitting around in a fucking room. Just buy, you know, buy one bag, throw it on the table, everybody's sitting around and you just get high and then you can leave. Yeah, right. no, it's it's nonsense. It's and that's a DEA. That's a that was no accident there that they started, you know, because they, they have their 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 monthly, you know, or quarterly, whatever the fuck, to, to local law enforcement. They send out these newsletters and everything. And that was a big one that they started, like just to be like telling everybody locally look out for this fentanyl if you touch it if you, you know if you're even you can breathe it in you can do all yep. which again it's like they show you know videos of their the, the goddamn haz. they got people in hazmat suits like responding to overdose calls which is again dangerous because then people who are at home with a friend a family member a loved one may be overdosing then all of a sudden there's pause there to help somebody yeah because people are like oh who cares yeah. if they're full of shit and i'm like well who cares is the people who are fucking dying because of this
1: yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is like how many, like the number of conversations I have to have with like normies about like some of this like propaganda, yeah, around like you can still like, what if somebody has fentanyl on their nose when I try to give them rescue breaths? It's fine.
0: It's fine. Just it's totally fine. For Just yes, yes. Right. That, that's and not that will like, get you.
1: It's not. Yeah, and but it is dangerous messaging, right? Like I was just hearing the other day someone's like trimets pushing to add more cops because of fentanyl on the buses. And like, you know, like that is, it has out like policy outcomes. So we have these kind of, this kind of rhetoric, like,
0: yep. And it's just as easy. It's just like, just pivot and be like, they're going to put more Narcan available on the bus. Like they'll put a little, just like, the, you know, you got in like certain like restaurants and stuff where they'd have like, how you do CPR, how you, have a little kit, put a kid on the bus that'll tell people how to fucking give somebody yeah. an arcane and how to, uh, you know, identify the signs of overdose. Um, you know, which, which aren't like the signs of overdose, which actually aren't breathing, uh, even heavier and having a, a panic attack, which is what happens to these cops, uh, when they allegedly uh-huh. overdose too. It's like, I always th- find it funny. Uh, um, a, a buddy of mine is an EMT, but mentioned this is like, it is funny for when they come to the hospital <laughs> And, like, there's these cops showing up being like, we're overdosed. And the nurse is like, okay, you're overdosed. Like, all right. Like, you know, because they know where they're like, hey, give them a little Narcan. They're like, whew. They have this little, like, empty Narcan thing where they, like, shoot up their nose. Like, hey, there you go, buddy. On your way, little guy. Here's a lollipop. You overdose. A little placebo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny because, obviously, they're, you know, they're all... Somewhat working in tandem to some degree with the with the, uh, you know, frontline workers and stuff. So they're obviously not going to call them out hard. But it is funny to be like when they show up and it's like, ah somebody's coming from the police, you know, from the cops again. They're saying they overdosed. It's just it's funny to watch. But it's it's you know, it's unfortunate.
1: But when you also throw in that, though, like the healthcare resource, right? Narcan's not free. Like no. One hundred and fifty bucks a box.
0: Thank you. And And so you're wasting
1: that. There's an alleged shortage.
0: you know, they say, oh, there's a shortage in Narcan. I'm like, well, good thing cops are just pissing it away. You know, they're like, we Narcan them five times. And you're like, it finally worked. I'm like, you didn't need one. Not one wouldn't have worked. So you, you no. pissed five fucking doses away. It's like, yeah, you're right. That's this this forced shortage, of course, as as things always are. But the artificial, uh, you know, scarcity. But there was one and there. That means it's more expensive. So, yeah, if they're, if they're using that on themselves when it's not necessary, it's like, Jesus, man, that's. That's, that's
1: I mean, I've heard conversations, and I don't know that this is true, but, like, I've heard people be like, yeah, I'm going to Narcan myself preemptively before going, like.
0: No. <laughs> oh. and, I
1: mean, again, if it was, like, I mean, it's not going to hurt the individual, right? Like, I can no. shoot some Narcan up my nose right now. I once accidentally, like, hit myself with an auto injector while I was, like, playing with it to show <laughs> it how it works, and it was the real one, not the, like, fake one. Yep, yep. But it's not going to hurt them to do it but when you think about like the rhetoric the money like you know in these times when like hospital staff are spent they're all like I don't know anyone who works in a hospital who works as a first responder that isn't burnt the hell out and to like have them have to respond to these kind of like clearly fake shit it has a cost more than it just being funny
0: Agreed. Yes. You yeah, know, we can laugh at it. Yeah. Not being uh, uh, on the front lines of an emergency room and being in a, yeah, a system that's already like spread so goddamn thin. No, it's, it's no joke when they come in. And of course, you have to prioritize because when a cop comes in, it's, oh, we got to make sure this cop's over. So yeah, you, you they start bringing three and four officers and like, oh, another officer who helped him because then he got it. You know, he, he, he caught fentanyl. And then as he was overdosing, another cop came, wasn't in any of the vicinity of any of those other drugs, but was in the vicinity of this cop. So now then he caught it. Now, all of a sudden he was overdosing and you're like, then there was the the dispatcher heard them on the. And then he started overdosing. It's like (laughs) we're sending in the whole force, you know, and the and the dogs. We're sending them all in. We need Narcan. We need all the Narcan available. Yeah, it's 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 really uh, it's really unfortunate. Um, And I feel like you see the mask off for some of these police chiefs and, and sheriffs and stuff where they just go like, listen, this isn't our fucking job. Like, you're asking us these junkies are overdosing. They're going to be overdosing again next weekend. Then we got to go, like, now we got to deal with these. Fu- and I'm like, look, no one's asking you to deal with any. Of- like, we actually don't want you to deal with this. So wh- wh- what do we have to do here to get you, like, if you don't want to fucking deal with the, the junkies and you want to throw them in the gut or whatever, then get the fuck out of the way. And you shouldn't be involved in any of these calls or any of these drug related, uh, you know, situations. Let's yeah. just keep you out of it entirely. We're cool with that.
1: I-, I-, I never am sad when the cops don't show up to an overdose I'm reviving.
0: No right, no, like never no. once have
1: I been like, oh darn, the cops. I wish they didn't were here. Show up,
0: yeah. Right, I it's- wish they were here with their little follow up, their like blue angel program thing or whatever the thing is where you're like, no, listen, we won't want you to like go to, but we do need you to show up to like sign up for this thing, and like we will show up at your apartment like in a week to make sure that you do. like. There's like weird programs like that where they'll give people, oh. you know, that they put them on a. It's like, well, we won't arrest you now, uh, but we will. Uh, you know, we do need you to follow up and do it. It's like, yeah, you know, you don't want them. It's you're never they're never missed from the scene. Uh, but again, like I said before, maybe we can then kick some of those resources. You know, maybe you don't get as many yeah. bulletproof shields or, or, you know, a new helicopter or the fuck. Maybe you kick some of that funding the other way and we can we can have you off of the front lines. You'll never have to show up again. Um, we'll see. I would That's, support that. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, try the heroin hotline, uh, whatever that was, 800 uh, number. Um, and while you're at it, you know you can call the uh, the hotline for uh, the, the the Weekly Dose uh, podcast. If you have any thoughts about anything we're talking about here, uh, or just drugs uh, uh, in general, uh, you can call four four three MK Ultra is the uh, is the phone number for the Weekly Dose podcast. <laughs> That's four four three MK Ultra. Uh, you can call that anytime. Leave a voicemail. Maybe we'll play it on the program. Um, well, Haven. In the in the, in the meantime, uh, I'd like to uh, uh, to to move into our next segment here to to get to know a little bit more about you. I think our listeners might be interested uh in uh, in some of your answers to uh in this next segment uh this is called uh, inside the user studio We end our podcast session with the weekly dose version of the questionnaire that was used masterfully for 24 years by the great James Lipton inside the actor's studio And the first question is Haven hey, Wheelock, what is your favorite drug
1: I mean I have a lot of favorite drugs Probably caffeine Ooh, will be caffeine. high on my list, because without it, I might die. Um, <laughs> actually, you don't die from caffeine withdrawals, but in general. Yes, <laughs>
0: metaphorically speaking,
1: of course, of course. I, I might kill someone without caffeine,
0: though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not pleasant before that coffee. Is literal.
0: That's literally true. What is your least favorite drug?
1: I oh. hate cannabis.
0: Ooh, no to the cannabis. I, I know a lot of people not, not down with the cannabis. Yeah,
1: I... The politics, the policy, it's not my friend. I yes. get asked about cannabis a lot. I talk about cannabis a lot. Sure. I Cannabis is boring.
0: And you know, there'll be people out there who say, oh, well, you didn't find your right strain yet. You'd, ah, look, some people just don't like cannabis. Enough with the strains already. Maybe there is no strain out there. There's not a strain for everyone.
1: I don't like it. I've tried. I've tried lots.
0: Yes. No, no lack of trying. Uh, what age were you the first time you found yourself under the influence?
1: I like caffeine from the beginning. Um, ah. I got in trouble in middle school, for, or for elementary school, for snorting pixie sticks.
0: <laughs> yes. So
1: I don't know. Does that count? I, so, I mean,
0: <laughs> certainly. They're under the influence of sugar, one of the grand drugs, one of the grand <laughs> legal substances that hook kids from a very young age. I also bum. I also did a few bumps mm-hmm. of pixie sticks myself. Uh, not going to lie, it's they've been there. You know, it didn't it's do much. Painful. It's it stings like a son of a bitch, doesn't it? Much better to take when, <laughs> the, the, on the taste buds. The sugar tastes much better than it does in the, mm-hmm. in the passageways. Uh, what is your favorite slang word? I know it's not your favorite drug, but what is your favorite slang word for cannabis? Reefer. Reefer. The reefer madness. What uh, What celebrity's overdose death has had the most profound effect on you?
1: Ooh. <sighs> you know, truth be told... I deal with so many overdose deaths in terms of people I care about and friends of mine who have died, and people in the work and in the movement. That, like, I mean, the harm reduction movement has had a lot of losses in yes. the last decade, yes. and so I find it really hard to like prioritize celebs yes. when like people like Dan Big, who is the father of naloxone, dies. Yes, yes. Right. So, From Chicago. To me, yes, that yes. question is real. Heart. Like, I hear you. I mean, I was uh, doing like an all day naloxone training for a bunch of doctors the day it came out that Prince died from fentanyl. So that was like a-, a memorable moment. But I think instead of like celebrating celebrities who die, I like would rather call out some of my own heroes who are also no longer with us.
0: Hell yes. That is a wonderful answer. What uh, drug would you like to deal for a
2: living?
1: Oh. I mean, I've been accused of dealing naloxone a few times. Um,
0: but... <laughs> the naloxone peddler herself.
1: I mean, there was yeah, there was a proud boy here in Portland who had a hot moment of flyering downtown, calling me the Grim Reaper of Portland, the mother of naloxone. Oh, um, my. Yeah, that was cute.
0: The proud boys have got on the anti, uh, anti-naloxone train. That's good to see. That's yeah, nice. yeah.
1: Yeah, yes. you know, if Proud Boys are protesting me, I'm doing something right.
0: That's the truth. Yes, if 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 uh, if you're arousing uh, the, the the fascists up and out the door, then you know you're doing something right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and what drug would you absolutely not like to deal under any circumstances?
1: You know, I'm sure I'd be a really shitty drug dealer in general. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think I would be a terrible, terrible drug dealer. So probably none of them because I would make no money and I would starve to death because I'd be like, oh, I'll share my drugs with you. Yes. Um, Yes.
0: you you must be a ruthless capitalist. Uh, And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear Dan Biggs say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Fuck yeah, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I want Dan to be proud of me. So, yeah, I mean. Uh,
0: yes. I have a feeling he would be. I hope so. Haven, we locked? these are your drug uses. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Thank you so much for <laughs> playing along with my uh, half-assed James Lipton impression. So is there anything else before we go? Uh, I'll let you, let you get going. Is there anything else you'd like to say? We're going to put... Uh, Outside In, you want to maybe tell us just a little bit about the organization because I'm going to put a link uh, for the for the uh, fundraiser uh, in the uh, in your episode here. But what uh, what would you like to yeah. tell us about Outside In?
1: I mean, Outside In is badass. Um, we've been working in the Portland metro area, providing healthcare and homeless services to homeless youth since over 50 years now, forever. We were are one of the oldest legal harm reduction programs in the country. Um, we started slinging needles in 1989. Ooh. Um, I know, I know. We're like the second oldest in the country that legally were operating. And I called that out specifically because drug users were taking care of each other and saving their, each other's lives illegally long before sure. anyone was doing it on the up and up, just as drug users today are taking care of each other in not legal overdose prevention sites.
0: Yep, yep. We always do. Dam. We take care of each other even when they want. We won't.
1: take care of each other. Um, and yeah, we provide health care and harm reduction services and housing supports to folks in the Portland metro area. Um, I kind of love it there. We do some really cool, innovative stuff around drug users' health and promoting health and safety for folks.
0: It's one of the organizations that I've, you know, when I even started doing this work that, I'm, you know, I'm coming to it obviously from a comedic perspective, you know, just trying to mow down some of that stigma. But I always say to people who are out there doing the the real work, not the goofing around on the microphone here, but the real work uh, on the ground every day, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Love and solidarity to you and everyone at Outside In. Uh, in Portland um, and uh, congrats again on 110 we're gonna see see it uh, f- to its fullest potential and it's very exciting to watch in real time
1: we're doing it I thought it
0: would be like kids next kids generations down the road it's here it's here it's right now we're doing it fuck yes alright well thank you again Haven for joining me and thank you all for tuning in for your weekly dose
2: hey America you've a- sleeping with your children with your daughters with your sons and with your heart
0: Self-Medicated Weekly Dose is hosted and produced by me, Murph Meyer, with support from Pop Culture Collaborative. Our theme song is My Congressman by 15, courtesy of Jeff Ott and Hopeless Records. Original artwork and production design by Diana Kolsky. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the program, you can listen to new episodes of Weekly Dose every Wednesday. Just look for the Murph Meyer is Self-Medicated feed wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, subscribe to the Self-Medicated YouTube channel to see new video clips from the show each week. Follow me on Instagram at Murph Meyer. And for some top-shelf harm reduction resources, head over to selfmedicatedpod.com. Also, don't forget, you can call the Weekly Dose Podcast anytime to leave me a voicemail message with your thoughts on drugs and the people who use them. Just pick up the phone and dial
2: 443-MK-ULTRA.
0: All right, that's about it for me. I'll see you next week. Love and solidarity. Goodbye.